Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Sometimes, peers, it feels like there's a set timeline for all of us. Go to school, head off to university, get the dream job before settling down and getting married. But the truth is, there's never really a right time for anything. In today's episode, we speak with Alexandra Rico Lloyd, the founder of Bike Club, the monthly bike rental service that aims to solve the problem many parents face with children quickly outgrowing bicycles. And as Alexandra explains, there was never really a perfect moment to launch it. She just did. In this ep, Alexandra shares how she overcomes imposter syndrome as a woman in business, why she was brought up to challenge the status quo, and how to avoid the dreaded social media comparisons. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, Or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers. Without further ado, welcome Alexandra. Alex, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Absolutely. You know, I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you've done in the retail and e-commerce space and now exiting your business, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you very much. Um, it's great to be invited. Amazing. So for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I guess most recently I started a business about six years ago and uh, we do subscription children's bikes. So you pay monthly and exchange as they grow. If anyone has children, they will sit there and say, that's a fantastic idea. Why did this not exist before? Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the past kind of five and a half, six years. We are only in the UK at the moment. We've got about 40,000 bikes uh, throughout the UK and um, growing rapidly. Growing rapidly. Oh my goodness, yes. And I can't wait to dive deeper into your last kind of five and a half years. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? and How has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? I always like that because I think that the the early years of someone's life have such an influence on who they become as an adult. I guess more recently, I've started thinking about my childhood and what, why am I geared up the way that I am? And how does that make me different to the next person, for example? I grew up in London, but I grew up in kind of southeast London, so slightly on the outskirts of London. Um, you have to travel to get into the city, but you also have to travel to get out. So I grew up in southeast London and my parents, they, they met at school, so they're Sweethearts. Sweethearts, <laughs> exactly. <gasps> and actually, so my mum grew up in Colombia, South America, and she came over to England speaking absolutely no English at the age of 14 and chucked right into doing her, um, we call them GCSEs, but it's it's kind of your qualification when you leave school, um, knowing absolutely no English. She did incredibly well. She met my dad and at school and never went back. Um, so I grew up with a slightly multicultural background because I had my family over in Colombia and I'm the eldest of four. So when you're the eldest, I think everyone expects you to be the sensible one. And to an extent I am, I am quite caring and sensible and I also always wanted a big family myself, but I've always been a slight rebel I'm mischievous I challenge if someone tells me to do something I will challenge them well why like um and I I think in a way that set me up for being an entrepreneur because you have to challenge the status quo and you have to believe that there's a different and better way of doing things I've always grown up with that attitude that you can you can do anything if you put your mind to it I love that what did growing up in a, I guess you could call it biracial household, what was that like for you? And I guess how do you think it shaped you and your siblings growing up? Yeah, it's funny because you can look at me and I, I look white, right? I don't look biracial. I'm half Latina, which is very different to you, for example. But I think that made me more open as an individual in a way it also it made me feel like I never really fitted in and I think maybe it's different maybe the world has kind of come on a little bit when I was kind of younger around the age of nine ten and I'd just been to Colombia and I had met all my family and I'd started learning a bit of Spanish and learning nursery rhymes and I come back to school and no one wanted to know because they didn't have that kind of same multicultural experience at home and then when I got into we called it secondary school but kind of between the ages of 11 and 16 I almost just really didn't feel that I fitted in at all because I didn't fit in with those that were black I didn't fit in with those that were white and I never really had my crew so to speak and never felt that I was truly accepted by 
anyone for who I was. Now that that's completely different because I think as adults or maybe because the world has come on a little bit, we're we're all a lot more open. We don't necessarily see colour. And I don't think I necessarily saw it either, but I always felt that I didn't completely fit in because of the experiences that I'd had. When you feel like you don't fit in and, oh my goodness, so many times in my life, and I'm sure many of our peers out there listening, you know, when you feel like you don't fit in, sometimes that makes us feel a a little bit intimidated or timid even to go off and actually do what we want to do. You know, for you, how did that manifest in into the other areas of your life? You mentioned that you were rebellious and you, you know, you always challenged that status quo, but where do you think that confidence came from for you? And how did not fitting in shape you in the early years? Honestly, I don't think I really had that much confidence. Um, A lot of people who start a business, they will start a business because they want to start a business. That that was not me. I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I fell into it and I would never take me back seven, eight years. I would never have believed that I'd be in the place that I am today. I would never have believed that I was capable of building what I have done. And I do think that that stems quite a lot from my upbringing. My husband, when we started the business together, uh, he was my boyfriend. He had a very different upbringing to me. He was privately educated. And I think when you're when you're privately educated, you're, you're almost taught to believe that you can do anything and you are more than capable and privileged to an extent right? I didn't have that. He has made me believe in myself in a way that I didn't before. And it's really, we've done this together because he has made me a lot more confident. And now I'm confident to the extent that I'm possibly cocky in the sense that I I believe that it's my duty to the world now to change things because I know I'm capable of it. That is not who I was seven and eight years ago. What else do you think, aside from your, what sounds like an amazing co-founder and husband, you know, cheering you on and going through the journey together, what else do you think played a role seven, eight years ago and perhaps even earlier on when you were studying and whatnot, what do you think played a role in building your confidence or giving you the courage perhaps to just go out and do it versus standing by the sidelines? So we started when we were both working full time. We never really took that plunge until we had enough traction and we could no longer do it as a side project so to speak I know side projects are very uh, popular right <laughs> side now hustle. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the side hustle. It wasn't that for us. I I never considered it a side hustle. It was almost a hobby. I'd build a website and we'd bought some bikes. And for some reason, that was that was fun to me. We, We always said we'd leave our jobs when we got to a certain number of customers. We call them members. And it got to that point and it surpassed that point. And neither of us were taking the plunge because it's quite a difficult thing to do to decide that actually you're just going to go it out on your own. You're really betting on yourself there. And it kind of got three months later and we could no longer function the way that we were. Someone had to do it. And so I quit my job and I did it and he continued working for another 18 months or so. And so I quit my job and I did it for six months solo. And then I started hiring people and... I guess the rest is history. (laughs) 
I love that. And I feel like so many of our peers out there listening are perhaps even toying with this idea of, you know, do I take the plunge? Do I do it as a side hustle and whatnot? You know, for you guys, where was your head at when you were kind of building it? I know you said you saw it as a hobby, but when you started to gain a bit of that traction, how did you know it was the right time to kind of go all in? And what advice would you have on that as to when the right time is to take that leap, so to speak? I I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I'm not necessarily sure it's about whether it's the right time or not. There's a lot of decisions in life that people just put off because they're not sure it's the right time. And I don't think any time is necessarily the right time to do anything. Uh, Having children, getting married, proposing to someone or even breaking up. Like, is, is it the right time? And you never really know because there's no counterfactual. Once you make that decision, once you take that plunge, you just have to go all in, go wholeheartedly into whatever you've decided to do and make it work. If you're going to start a business... I think you need to look carefully, one, at why you're doing it. Um, And if it is just because you want to start a business, maybe try and do a little bit more soul searching because it's not all that it seems on social media at all. It's so difficult. And yes, you might think that you will have more flexibility. You'll be able to do the school run or go for a cycle on Wednesday afternoons. It's not like that. Yes, you might have a little bit more flexibility, but you are all on all the time, 24-7. You will wake up at 2 a.m. thinking about your business. (laughs) And that is so different to being employed and having the security of employment. You will not pay yourself for years. You will pay 50 people before you start paying yourself you will not be able to get a house or a mortgage and there's so many sacrifices that you make as a business owner that I don't think I don't think we necessarily talk about enough especially now that the side hustle culture's out there and everyone wants to start their own thing I think people started for the wrong reasons and maybe aren't quite suited towards that life it just is glamorized online And I'm probably one of the guilty ones there. But aren't we all? And I I love talking about the misconceptions of business and the dark side of it, which, as you mentioned, you know, there's so much to that. That becomes your life. It's your everyday life that you're living. I want to talk about the progression. You know, I saw through reading your story, it was obviously your pre-seed round all the way through to your series B. I think it was that you recently closed huge congrats on that. And then you made your exit to the business. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it takes to pitch your idea or your business or your company at, at the different levels to investors and what that responsibility looks like? And how do we go about approaching the financing of our businesses every store is different right but for our business we have to buy a lot of bikes and so therefore and we don't get the money back until a few years later so um we need a lot of capital so we've raised a lot of money but it's all gone into assets which makes it a little bit easier to raise money so i guess it's been easier although you do get ridiculous valuations if you're a fintech or a tech company so to go through each bootstrapping stage that was remortgaging loans etc and then our pre-seed was family and friends um and we did convertible loan notes so at our seed round we and this was really important and it's been so crucial to our success we brought on a lead investor he's an entrepreneur and he 
gone through what we'd gone through but he also understood what we were trying to build from the club perspective customer retention and loyalty and he's just been such a great mentor to us and at that stage when we were getting him as our lead investor at that stage I think he was really interested in the team and he was interested in the co-founding team and yes he looked at our deck because everyone builds a deck and he looked at the business model and the financial forecasting and he said yeah okay there's a business here but for him and he said it to us at the time he said I really like you guys and I believe that you can make this a success and at that stage the founding team is so important the team that you have built such valuable advice when you are just starting out and you're signing your life away, whether it's in the early days to your you know, family and friends hoping that they trust you or down the line when you're dealing with serious investors and whatnot, how does that affect your mental health and ability to perform as a young entrepreneur? I'd love to understand when things start to get real, you're seeing contracts in place, you know, how did that affect you emotionally, mentally, and how do we push through when we know it's the right decision to make, but we're also perhaps suffering a little bit inside and emotionally and mentally because of the strain and the stress that comes with that? So something I wish I'd done in the earlier days is building a network or even just working from a co-working space because you get to meet other people that are in the same situation as you are. There are various networks out there as well for founders and I think they're just really important because you then know that you're not alone and you're able to talk to someone and... I mean, later on, say at Series B, we had lawyers, very experienced, fantastic lawyers. And so if there was something in the contract that I would get emotional about, no way, I can't do this. I can't sign this. How is this right? This is not right at all. I I just just call them up um, because they're there to advise you and they'd say, yeah, this is market. Like this is this is what what we see on the market. Or they would say, yeah, this isn't this isn't quite right. We can go back on that point. And and they are there to advise you. That's when you're a lot later. Obviously, the decisions that you're making are a lot more emotionally draining. But because you have you know that you've got the right advice, it, it kind of counters it all out. But in, in the earlier stages, I just wish I spoke to more people. Um, And I wish I almost knew my I've gone on a journey of self discovery as well. I wish I knew myself because I didn't know that at the time I was stressed because of the pressure upon me. I felt it, but I didn't know what I was necessarily feeling and why. Um, And it's only looking back, I now know that I was so stressed because I was completely by myself and looking after my boyfriend's money and his parents' money and they'd all somehow blindly trusted some random girl that had walked into their life with their hard-earned cash. And I really felt the pressure. I, I needed to succeed and I didn't necessarily know how. And I wish I'd spoken to people about it. When you feel like 
all the trust is in you, all of the faith is in you, and you are questioning yourself, you know, how do we keep going? How do we even begin when we're starting from that place of doubt? I mean, I experienced it so much. And I think it's also definitely a female founder thing, you know, where we just question every move that we make. How do we overcome that and combat that imposter syndrome? How do we navigate that? Oh, overcoming imposter syndrome. As a female, I think we face a lot more challenges than our male counterparts and a lot more prejudices. I guess go back to fundraising investors. For me, they'd look at me and not only wonder if I was capable, but that aside, but they'd think that I was trying to build a lifestyle business, something that I could kind of build and run nicely and but actually it wouldn't make them any returns and if you compare me to my co-founder and now husband maybe that's true to an extent but it wasn't I wasn't trying to build a lifestyle business I was trying to build a growth business because I believed that this was the way to change the world and this was the way to change the way that uh, families engage with micro mobility and I believe that but I'm not sure anyone believed me it is really difficult when you're feeling imposter syndrome but you know that you're right and you know that you're capable but yet other people are feeding you doubt as well and I think that's what as female founders that's what we go through more so than a male founder I just I really believe in admitting when you've made a mistake and kind of putting your hands up and realizing oh yeah I made a mistake there what can I do better next time and it's really that constant reflection and constant self-improvement and development I think once you get better at that and once you're doing it naturally and you will realize when you do something really well you will realize when you do something badly and if you get into that habit of constant reflection then it becomes a lot easier to notice when you're struggling or notice when someone's better at something than you are. I think as humans, we kind of, we almost just go through life not doing that self-reflection because it's quite painful when you're telling yourself you're not good at something. That That is, that's a painful thing to do. And what what's even more painful is when you, when you put your hands up and outwardly tell people, hang on, I wasn't good at that. But if you do it, what you'll realise is that person is so taken aback by the fact that you know yourself so well that they then admire you and they admire the fact that you are able to do that and you know yourself so well. And then they'll start doing it as well. Really interesting. I mean, I'm I'm loving all of this chat, Alex, and we so appreciate you being open, honest, and vulnerable with us. I want to ask, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? My greatest failure and win to date. So let's start by the win because everyone likes a bit of positivity in their life, don't they? Always. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm most proud of with Bike Club is providing opportunity to other people. When I paid our first employee the salary, I cried in front of him. It was just such an incredible feeling to know that what I had built meant that we were able to pay him 
And he was then able to go off and get a mortgage with his girlfriend to buy a flat. He was then able to go on holiday. And I guess I never really thought of it as capitalism. I guess that's what it is. Um, But it's really about the opportunity that we've offered people, not just in terms of being able to be paid or take paternity leave, for example, but it's about the experiences that we've had with people along the way that have been so awesome and so exciting. That's what I'm most proud of. I'm, I'm proud of creating opportunity for people. Now, biggest failure. It's honestly, I think it's taken on too much and that might sound like a bit of a cliche, but it really is. And that's why that self-reflection is so important because actually if you know yourself, you know when to say no and you know when actually you've taken on a little bit too much and you need to take it a bit slower and take a step back. And I just seem to constantly find myself in a situation where I am doing too much and taking on too much and everyone's looking at me thinking I'm awesome and I'm having a breakdown in the shower and I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) Why? (laughs) What is my life? Why? But it's all self-inflicted. It's all completely self-inflicted. Um. And I I guess this is why social media is so bad as well, because we then we rave about our successes, but actually you don't see what's what what's behind the front door as soon as I close it. And we never talk about that vulnerability online or in front of people because you're not meant to. You're not you're not meant to show vulnerability. I wish that I didn't take on so much all the time. And I wish that I was a bit calmer and fully happy all the time. But hey that such is life that's just the journey yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly oh Alex I am loving this chat but I am so mindful of your time I know we could talk for days but I've got a couple of final questions for you and before I ask the second last question it's you know over the last six years in business you've really gone from strength to strength You've received a lot of recognition for your work as well as going through all of the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. And most recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? The biggest piece of advice that has stuck with me is to always work out what the problem is that you're trying to solve. And it kind of goes back to, as humans, I think we just kind of chase life and we keep going and we don't necessarily pull apart the problem and make sure that we're trying to fix the right thing. We just think that we throw out a solution and think that's going to work and then it when it doesn't work, we question why. That's it, really. I think pull apart the problem and really delve deep and make sure you're trying to find a solution to the right problem. Then as another piece of advice, I would say network. Basically network, network the shit out of life. And it gets boring, especially if you're an introvert, it gets so goddamn tiring, but you need to do it because those connections that you make, and you've got to kiss a lot of frogs, but those connections that you make will be there for you to be able to offer you so much advice when you really need it. So network, network, network. 
And I think just enjoy the journey. When you're going through so many lows, you can really get caught up in the negativity. But you've sometimes just got to take a bit of a step back and realise how far you've come and what you've achieved. But also that you're like, you're actually enjoying it. You're, you're in a place that you never imagined that you could be in. And look at what you've done. Uh, look at what you've achieved. And if you're not enjoying the journey, if you then look at yourself and think, actually, I'm really just not enjoying, I'm not loving what I'm doing, then, uh, well, that's that's not that's not good enough. You need to go off and find something else and you need to call it quits and move on and find something that excites you and, loves, uh, and you love and loves you because ultimately life is life is too short so you've got to enjoy the journey such valuable advice look alex before i ask you the final question i just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for being super real vulnerable and authentic with us today and showing us in particularly us you know ambitious millennial females and and women that if we have that vision, that goal, and that dream, we can go after it and achieve it. Although it may be very difficult, we can get there. And your story shows that to us. So for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Such kind words. (laughs) Absolutely. And so the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? It's the purpose because you then feel so aligned to what you're trying to achieve that you will go through those lows because you are so passionate about what you're trying to achieve, about what the product or the services that you're trying to roll out because you believe ultimately that what you're doing is so right for you, for everyone else around you. And it's purpose. I love it. Ah, Alex. Thank you so much. We've had an absolute blast. Where can we learn more about you and Bike Club? Ah, of course. Well, Bike Club, Subscription Kids Bikes, where you exchange as they grow. Um, We are in the UK. We are rolling out to Europe as well. So come in soon if you're over the water, so to speak. You can find us at bikeclub.com. Very easy and straightforward. And you can find more about myself. Um, I am Alexandra Rico Lloyd and I love LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> yes to a LinkedIn. This is how you and I got connected. And I mean, we will link them up in the show notes. Alex, thank you so much again. It has been so awesome. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for allowing me to be so open and honest and authentic. And you know what? I'm going to take away from this. I'm going to be more authentic on LinkedIn. (laughs) I'm going to talk about those lows. (laughs) Yes, I'll be liking every post. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And for everyone else listening, we'll end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers. 
Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.